This is the Be On Mission podcast with Ben Greenbaum and Mark Elsesser. This year we're exploring the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament in what we've been calling a chronogeobiological flow. That is, we've been following the chronology of the book of Acts and then veering off to the people and topics and places that are addressed in the book of Acts. And today it's one of those places as we're coming to the end of the book of Acts and Paul is arriving in Rome. So we are looking at Romans. We started this last week, and we will pick it up and continue today. I I am really excited. I have a special guest with me today. His name is Jeff Groh, and welcome, Jeff. Well, I appreciate you having me. Tell me, you're you're a pastor. Where are you a pastor? I'm a pastor in Union City, Union City Methodist Church. Union City, and that's in Union City, Indiana, not to be confused with Union City, Ohio, right? Right next are, door. Are like those two separate cities, or are they one city that share two states? They are two separate cities. We're, we're actually a city in Indiana, a village in Ohio. So, but yeah, it's right down <laughs> okay. the middle. Okay, <laughs> yeah. here's some fighting words there. <laughs> so, like the Indiana side has a mayor, but the Ohio side just has a, a town council. That's correct. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys like run the roost. So we like to think so. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So Union City, Indiana, and you're a pastor of Methodist Church there. And so we've known each other quite a while. Uh, Probably 20 years. My answer is always through my wife, Lisa. That's where I knew Absolutely. Absolutely. We did camp with you guys for years. Yeah, church camp. Yeah. It's been a blessing. Some good times. You were the youth pastor back in the day. I was. Yeah. And you've stayed in the same church where you were youth pastor and now you're the senior pastor. That's correct. That I, didn't happen a lot. Well, I've been there almost 19 years now. Almost. I'm working on 19. So You know, that's really cool. That's a blessing. It is a blessing. Because people don't often see that happen where the congregation recognizes, hey, this person is valuable to us in a number of ways. And you've done youth ministry there and mission work there and pastoring there and a lot of stuff. You've, you've embedded your life in Union City. It, it, it's been a blessing. I'm, I'm sure I'm like an old shoe. They are an old penny. They can't get rid of. <laughs> yeah, well, well they, but it's been a blessing. It probably fits. That, yeah. that shoe probably fits, and you know that that penny's probably shiny for them. Because I, 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 I say this. I know you, and I really appreciate you, and really admire the work that you do. I'm, I'm saying they do too. Hallelujah. So I appreciate that. That's a good thing. Well, welcome, and we're gonna hear. Talk about Romans today, and in particular, we're going to camp in uh, out on Romans 5. We'll take a look at a few other verses as we approach that. But this was born out of a discussion that Jeff, you and I had, uh, I don't know, it was several months ago when we were just talking about Romans 5. And like, what's, what's this? There's some stuff in there that like it's, it's confusing or liberating or however you want to look at it. We were talking about it, and I asked if you'd be willing to make the journey from Union City to Fishers to do this podcast. And you said, Yes, right away. So I'm really, really grateful for for you doing that. So thanks for being here. Absolutely. Uh, we're we're going to take a look at, at this concept that's laid out in Romans 5 about who Jesus is. And I think the first thing I want to look at are some of the verses in Romans that present the bad news. You know, you know like you think about when you write a letter to somebody, you want to or you have a speech or something you're going to do with somebody. And I often think we had, we told our kids to use the sandwich method, you know, like give some, some good stuff and then you have the hard stuff in the middle and then some good stuff on the outside you know, that visualize the sandwich method. But Paul really hits Romans like 
from the very beginning almost with here's the bad news and spends a lot of time sort of talking about that. Let me read a couple verses to you and we'll, we'll just launch into that. In Romans chapter 2, verse 5, it says, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Well, there you have it. I mean, like right off the bat, he's saying, you know, you, you're stubborn, you're unrepentant, and you're going to face God's wrath. And we think, okay, who's he talking to? Is that just a few people, a handful of people? But in Romans 3, verse 10, it says, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. <laughs> he, he's leaving really no wiggle room here, is he? Like for think, well, maybe I'm an exception to that. I'm, I'm a fairly good person or, or I'm okay. And I'm, maybe God winks at me because he thinks there's a, there's a pretty good guy right there. I mean, the scripture is pretty clear that all humans, as it says in Romans 3, 23, have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When you, when you hear this, and, you, and what comes to your mind out of this, this teaching, Jeff, that shows us that all human beings are sinners? Well, for me, I think Paul is setting us up for Romans 5 to share the good news. And what he's really telling us is there is nothing good within us. Uh, and you see this in Isaiah too, where he says, our righteousness are as filthy rags. So Paul is really setting us up to share the good news of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ has did for us. Because without him, we were lost, 100% lost. And there was nothing that we could do on our own. And, and he's, he's, there's no exception. Every one of us are lost. That's so true. So in your own personal life, when did you come to an awareness that you fit in that category, which is the category of all human beings, that you were a sinner or that you were somebody who couldn't earn your way out of it? Was there a, was there a moment or was there a time period in your life when you became aware that you, you just weren't who you needed to be. <laughs> I don't think this podcast was long enough to hear the whole story, but absolutely. Uh, for me, I, my family, we didn't, we weren't raised in church. And so I really didn't know. I, I was just, just didn't know. I was just doing life. And, and then uh, when I met this young lady that I really wanted to go out, she was the prettiest girl that I'd ever seen. She was just smoking hot. So I wanted to date her and her mom. <laughs> told me I was not allowed because she was a Christian and I wasn't. And uh, so she said we'd be unequally yoked. And I thought, man, I had no clue what she was talking about. <laughs> and uh, so she said, uh, uh, Jeff, if you want to go out with my daughter, you're going to have to be saved. And literally I thought, saved? Saved from what? I didn't even know I was in trouble. I didn't know I needed rescued. That just wasn't in, the, wasn't in my realm of thinking. And so she said, well, you, she explained to me how you say a prayer and invite Christ into your heart. And in my 16-year-old mind, is like, I say a prayer, I date that chick, let's pray. Hallelujah. <laughs> now there you go. <laughs> Let us pray. <laughs> so, uh, so I said a prayer, and Friday night we went to the football game, and we started dating. And a little bit of part of my testimony, and 
uh, people in all my church, they know, they've heard it a, a dozen times. Um, it wasn't six months later that I found myself um, into some trouble and uh, I had gotten my girlfriend pregnant. And so uh, life was hell at that time. I literally hell for me. And I was, I'd cut my thumb off as I'd started working, uh, trying to support a family now. Um, I'd comp- I'd thought about suicide multiple, multiple times and life was just not, it was really, really hard. And I knew there was something more. And then it was July 27th, 2003. I remember the exact day I was down in Houston, Texas, when uh, Joel Osteen invited us to, uh, invited me to come to the altar, invited all, anyone that wanted to accept Jesus Christ. And so I did so. And I, I remember walking into Lakewood Church and I just feel, I, I just felt like, I'm just going to be honest, I just felt like trash. I just felt yucky. I, I, I saw all these people that were happy and so filled with joy, and I so desperately wanted it, and I knew that my life was trash. How and old were you then? I was 26. Yeah, so it had been a few years that you'd been trying to, 10 years. I was trying to navigate those waters, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'd said a prayer, but I and I'd go to church from time to time when my wife would nag me enough and that, those kind of things. But I had no relationship with the Lord. And, and uh, uh, I, I just, I knew I needed something. What took you to Texas for his, to go to his church service? So uh, I, there was some, th- some stuff inside of me that, uh, that longed for something. And so I was asking my wife questions because she would go to church each week and she would pray for me constantly. And, and, um, and so I, I, I just had some questions and literally one Sunday night we were watching Joel Osteen, which I just loved his soft demeanor and his grace filled message. Um, he answered the question uh, that I asked my wife that day. And then for three weeks in a row, we were watching him on Sunday night and three weeks in a row, he answered the question that I had. There were three different questions and I knew that I needed to get down there. So we bought a plane ticket, flew down the next week and uh, went to a church service. And I can, I can tell you what he preached about, um, you know, growing during times of adversity, which had really nothing to do with uh, salvation, uh, but uh, I just knew I was going through times of adversity in my life. And when he offered that, I, came, I went running. Uh, and it, it was momentous enough that you remember the date and where you were sitting, I bet, in the auditorium uh, and where yeah. you went when you went forward. And, Absolutely. And I all do. of that, because it, it changed your life. It, this makes me think of the that other half of the Romans 3.23 and then beyond verse that says all have sinned, this is the good news now, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace yeah. through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. It, it comes through Christ alone. And, and so that decade, as you were trying to, sort of figure it out and navigate what this prayer meant that you had prayed when you were 16 and, and live it out in your own terms. You were working hard. You were trying to support your wife and your, your family, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You were, you were doing all these things and you're doing life. You're an entrepreneur. I mean, you, you did some stuff. I mean, yeah. you, you were successful in some of that entrepreneurship. You, yeah. Yeah. We, I sold sporting wear on the road and, uh, I, I would make a 60% um, and we averaged roughly ten to $12,000 worth of sales a week, which doesn't seem like a lot, but when that's a lot for a 20 year old kid. Yeah. And so we were, we were successful financially. We had stuff uh, just 
wasn't happy. I just you had knew. the externals, but not the internal. No, I was dying the, on the inside. The physical, not the spiritual. Yeah, in in your life. And, and you know what's interesting to me is no one knew I was dying on the inside. I, I would smile, I would joke, I'd have a good time. And when I look around at the world today, there's a lot of people that are dying on the inside. But it just breaks my heart because there are people that are dying on the inside, but just put on an external happy face, and, and it. it and I just hurt for those folks. You had just about everybody fooled. Oh, absolutely. But not your wife, I bet. No. And, and more so than that, even me, I was just dying. Yeah. I was just hurting on the inside. But when I left my door, I'd put a smile on and joke and have a good time. And we, you know, drive my new car and with my new clothes and, and just do life. But I was hurting. Deep down, you knew you needed something. I, I love this passage in Romans 5. Now we get to Romans 5 a little bit. And in verse 6 through 8, it says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, that's what you're describing. Yeah, absolutely. Christ died for the ungodly. That's me. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. You know, we say we take a bullet for our family. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, you think about that like in our own lives, that we'd say, yeah, we, you know, we would we'd take one for, for our family, of course, but would we for a criminal or would we for someone who had caused us great harm and great pain? Or, or, and this is God's love for us in, in Christ Jesus. And so you're saying that in that, in that change that you made in your heart, and that that real commitment—not just the prayer that you prayed so you can yeah, go out on a date, absolutely—but the deep pr- change you made in your heart, it it changed the trajectory of your life. It changed everything. I, I invited Christ into my heart because what was drawing me when I was sixteen was a pretty young girl, and when I was twenty-six, what was drawing me was the Holy Spirit. It's a totally different draw. And when the Holy Spirit was drawing me, and this is exactly the God demonstrated his love while we were still sinners. That was me. And I still remember uh, going there. The first worship song that I heard was, I'm a friend of God. And that line, I can still remember. Mm. still remember hearing that. Who am I that you are mindful of me? And, that, mm. and it just broke my heart. I, I knew I was nobody. And I said, God, why would you? There are people all over this world that are serving you, missionaries and pastors. And I am some guy that just goes to the bar on weekends, and yet you would demonstrate your love for me. That's amazing. It was the Holy Spirit drawing me in. And when I knew that God loved me, it changed everything for me. It just changed everything for me. Because there was no reason for him to love me. I didn't love me. There, there was no reason for him to other than he was God. You, you you're talking to me earlier as, as we were talking about this podcast. Uh, an analogy between how God loves us and marriage. Yeah. And I thought that was fascinating. Can you unpack that for the listeners a little bit? Yeah. So I, I'm a big grace guy. I, I really believe that it's all Jesus and not us. And uh, so, you know, I have these conversations uh, with, with people in, in pastors meetings and, and and I, I, I'm sure you've heard it as well that, that says, you know, if you don't share what sin is, people are never going to get 
never going to give it up or they're, they're, you've got to share the law. You've got to tell them they're doing wrong. And, I, and I'm just being honest. I, I really don't feel that people are looking for a way to sin because the world's already doing it. They're not, I really believe that people are looking for a way out of sin. And that's through grace. It's only through grace. That's what Romans one twenty says. It's by the grace of God that leads one to repentance. And so I'm a big grace guy because I want to see the hearts re- uh, people repent. And so I, I feel like God shared this with me. Um, and I and it was about marriage. And when my wife made a commitment to me for life that she was going to stay with me for life, um, I it, that did not make me want to go out and be promiscuous at all. That made me want to be committed to her because she loved me and committed to me. And so when I know that God is committed to me, that doesn't make me want to go out and live like the world lives. It makes me want to love him more. I just can't believe that he would love me. And so, and so they, we were having this discussion, and, and so I asked uh, um, the pastors, when, when your wife made that commitment to you, uh, do you— do you think that she would be moved with the love that you have for her if you shared with her, well, you know what, honey, I made a commitment to you. And so I'm going to be faithful. I don't, I don't, I, I, I won't, uh, I won't cheat on you, but I kind of want to, I really do. And I check <laughs> it out on the internet, for <laughs> yeah. you, brother. <laughs> I want to, I think about it all the time, but because I made a commitment. I won't. I guess I'm mm. stuck with you. Mm. I mean, that's got to move her heart. Right? I mean, that she's not going to think, wow, this dude loves me. But if I just shared with her how much that I loved her and that nothing in this world would drag me away from her and move me in a different yeah. direction, uh, that I want and desire to be with her, not because I have to, but I choose to, there's so much more power in that and that love of my faithfulness because I choose to, not because I'm under any obligation. And so I feel like sometimes people feel like they're under this obligation to live a, a, a certain life so that God feels like they love them and, and they feel this obligation. But the truth is that when you just love him and you, as a choice, not an obligation, that expresses so much love to the, uh, to the Father. Yeah, so when we look at God is like a cosmic killjoy with a hammer. Yeah. And we we just we want to do stuff, but we know we we can't or we're going to get in trouble. As opposed to looking at God as our loving father. Yeah. We want to be in relationship with who loves us dearly and and we love dearly. That's a different It's totally different isn't it? because when I was 16 and I said this prayer so I can go out with this girl, this girl is what was drawing me who's now my wife. Uh, uh I try to do the right things because I I wanted to be accepted by the people in the church. I wanted God to be pleased with me. So I tried my best to do the right things. I just knew I wasn't doing it. And it wasn't until I had a full understanding, and I still don't have a full understanding to this day of God's grace. But when I started to understand grace better, that I understood what a relationship would look like with the Father. Yeah, let's take that idea and unpack a couple of verses in Romans 5 that we, sure. that you and I have been talking about for a few months now. And in particular, it's Romans 5, 18 and 19, where it says, Consequently, just as one trespass, that is, Adam's sin, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act, that is Christ's work on the cross, one righteous act, 
resulted in justification and life for all people. And this next verse is where we've been talking quite a bit. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, Adam, the many were made sinners, also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. You've been camping out on that word made Mm -hmm. a little bit. Would be made sinners by Adam's work and made righteous by Christ's work. Well, what what has your um, journey been like in that, or you know the the dance you're having with God in the in the middle of this? You're trying to figure this out in your own life. Yeah, so it's it's I, I haven't say I, I I can't say that I figured it all out. But what what God has been showing me is the the scripture here says that we were made sinners by Adam's sin. The reason we are sinners is because of what Adam did. And that's got to be a foundation for us. It's not because we sin that makes us sinners. We were made sinners because of Adam's sin. And why that's so important is because when we give our heart to the Lord and we become righteous, it's a gift. We were made righteous as a free gift. We're still going to sin. We're still going to miss the mark. And if I feel like I'm a sinner because of my sin, then I'm going to continue to wrestle with, is God pleased with me? Is he happy with me? because I'm still trying to earn his favor by not sinning, by, by my efforts. Because righteousness, that's what it tells us, is a gift. It's free. It's not a reward. So if I do enough good stuff, it's a reward that he gives to me. And so what I'm, what I'm wrestling with with the Lord is, uh, is God's grace and his mercy. I know that I was a sinner because of what Adam did not because of my sin. And I know that today I'm righteous because of what Christ did, not because of any good thing that I do. It's all a gift. It's all from him. I'm going to jump in with an analogy and tell me if this works, if it even makes sense. Yeah. I have a good friend. He's an immigrant from Venezuela. And he texted me yesterday, lives in another state now. And he texted me yesterday and said that he's, he, he received notification after several years of being in the U.S., of the documentation that he needs, he has one more step to take, mm. and then he can be a U.S. citizen. So I've been with him on this journey a little bit and, and mm. watched him. He had to do this and that and wait, and then another form and more paperwork, and then wait and not get in trouble and not get arrested and do mm. the right thing. Like all of these steps, and then he finally gets to be a U.S. citizen. Sometimes I think people approach Christianity that way. I've got to say the right thing, do the right prayer, act the right way, go through the right motions, have a waiting period, do all this thing, and then I can maybe be considered somebody who's a follower of Jesus or part of the Christian culture. But that's not the way it is in our relationship with Jesus. That's like saying, okay, God, I want to cheat on you, but I won't because I have to. I've got to do these things for you to be—and that's not a— a love language uh, unto the Lord. That's not what God said to us. Which is why the Bible uses the word adoption and those kind of things that we didn't earn it. God has said, I choose you to be in my family. Absolutely. Come. Absolutely. Will will you come live with me? Yeah. Will you come be part of my family? Yeah. Why we were still sinners. We did nothing to earn it. Yeah. And yet we're called to grow up. And this, this chapter of Romans, I've got so much. I wish we, wish we had three hours, brother. Um, Mm -hmm. what we do 
that people would stop listening. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how that works. Um, They've so, tuned out already. <laughs> well, that's very possible. Uh, but that's the beauty of podcasts is we never know who actually is really listening to the whole thing. And so we, we fill our minds with fantasies that people listen all the way through. <laughs> so Romans, like it's life changing because Romans 5, and I'm going to back up to verse 9, talks about this. And it says, since we have now been justified by his blood, by the Hallelujah. blood of Christ, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? There's the great news. For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, we've been adopted into the family, mm. how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So if it's like through his death on the cross, it's even greater that he rose from the, t- from the, from the dead and he walked out of that empty tomb. Yeah. Verse 11, not only this, not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So it's like, it's a change. It's a, it's a life change. And he calls us to grow up yeah. and to, to live in it. It's like, we're not like we're adopted as babies and we're expected to stay in the crib until we're 29. Right. Yeah. We're expected to grow up. Yeah. And you were talking about some things uh, about don't just keep drinking out of the baby's bottle. Don't keep, just keep drinking the milk. Right. And, and yeah. tell me about a little bit of what you were thinking on that. Well, Hebrews 13, uh, uh, Hebrews 13, five says for who, everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. And so it's really interesting to me when you hear people when you ask him the question, are you righteous? And so many people would back away from that. And, well, you know, I try really hard. Well, you, you know where they're at. The, the Bible would say that's, that's a babe in Christ. They're still on the, on the milk. And, and really what's taken place is we are righteous because of what Christ did for me. So am I righteous? Absolutely, I am righteous. And I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's a gift. And when I back away from that, I... I I uh, devalue the gift that was given to me, or if I feel like I've got to, you know, walk seven old ladies across the street or bake so many cookies or do anything, if I feel like I've got to do anything for me to be righteous, I devalue what Christ did for me on the cross because it is a gift. And when, we, and when you understand that it's a gift, then you understand. You start to begin to understand grace, and you get into that deeper relationship of I serve you not because I have to, because I want to. And and those that are feel like they have to do s- certain things, Scripture would say they're still unskilled in the word of righteousness mm. and still a babe. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on that just a Go little ahead. bit, uh, and not n- not to be contrarian, but I know you, yeah. and I know. The things that you have done in your community, and that you continue to do. Sure. So, I hear what you're saying. It's not to walk, you know, bunch bunch of people across the street, old ladies across the street, in order to to earn more righteousness from God. Yet, when you live in the righteousness of God, it compels you to walk people across the street. Yeah. So, so I'd like to hear just a little bit about. Um, one of the ministries, I mean, you're, there's multiple ones that you've been involved in in your community. And so to explain one of those, like that is really changing the lives of, of people. You've done a lot with young people. I just like to hear about one of those, like this is not for you to earn more 
favor with God, right. that it's out of God's favor for you that yeah. you say, I am compelled to love others. So so uh, the things that I do in, in life that I feel like God uh, has me do, I, I, if I'm being 100% honest, the people are the recipients of my love for God and my faithfulness for the Lord. Because I know me before I came to the Lord, I, you know, I got my own issues. I'm dealing with my own life. Uh, you know, you go your own way. I, I was just selfish person. But then afterwards I came to love the Lord and God loves each and every person so much. And he asked me then as his follower to love them. And so one of the things we do, we call it the youth guidance program. Just, um, so when a young person gets in trouble with the law, uh, they can be a part of our church or they can go through the probation office. And after six months of being part of our congregation, then what they, their offense gets, uh, we, we put that offense through the shredder and like it never even happened. And so we've, we've gone to the courts. Our prosecutor has allowed us to uh, defer uh, minor offenses for youth. And so once they come be a part of our church for six months, meet with a mentor once a week and do community service. And after six months of time, their, their offense is, is gone. Like it never even happened. And in that six months time, we've seen people go to church camp, get saved, their family start coming to our church. And for us, all we want to do is show the love of Christ to someone that's hurting and broken. And so when someone in our community, one of their kids get in trouble, that gives me the opportunity to walk into their house and show grace and mercy when the, when the law is going to come down to condemn. And so for me, it's, um, it's what Christ did for me. It's a picture of what Christ did for me. He, he came into my world when I was broken and when I didn't deserve it and showed grace and mercy. Wow. And allows me to walk into someone else's home when they broke the neighbor's window and show grace and mercy and the church will pay for the window just to show that we, the love of Jesus Christ, the grace, I mean, they didn't earn it. They didn't deserve it. Uh, what they deserve is punishment, obviously. Uh, but we get to show grace and mercy because that's what Christ did for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for me. That, my, my friend, is the way to extend the grace of God. This was a lesson that God shared, shared with me when I was uh, in New Orleans on our first mission trip. We were at God's Katrina Kitchen, and at that particular time, all these homes got flooded um, from the hurricane. And so the insurance says, we're not covering your claim. And then FEMA, the government, came in and said, well, once you get your house mucked out and start to rebuild, we'll release $10,000 to you. And so this ministry released the first $10,000, started to rebuild this home. And then once they got this process started, FEMA would come in and release the 10000 that they would start to use on the next home. And so it just was a domino effect. And, and when we went down there, this, this ministry was already taking place. This wasn't ours. We were just going to volunteer that week. We went down there. The home that was being renovated, they'd already mucked it out. We started the rebuild process. They received their check while we were down there, and that family decided to go on vacation. And they were going to take their money and go on vacation. And the, the, the God's Katrina kitchen uh, representative said, uh, sir, you've already signed the contract. We're using your neighbor's money for your home, and your home goes for your neighbor's home. Uh, your money that has been released for your neighbor's home. And he says, no, that's my money. My name's on the check. We're going on vacation. Lock up when you leave. And so, um, so we left, and I was mad. I was so mad. And I, w I remember praying that night. I said, God, why would you have me down here? Why would you have me do this? This doesn't make so sense. And the Lord, in my heart, 
I felt him say, Jeff, whose mission are you on? Mine or yours? And I said, well, yours, God, I, I, I told you I would do anything for you. And he said, yeah, um, can I use you in that way? Can I use you to sow seeds of grace and mercy in someone's life when they won't uh, reciprocate? Or can I only use you when you'll get words of affirmation? Because if I can only use you when you get words of affirmation or they receive it well, you won't last long in ministry. And so that's been kind of a foundational um, truth for me. And that was my first mission trip that I've uh, I'd said, okay, God, you can use me in any area. And I, it doesn't matter how the recipient receives it because it's me being faithful to the Lord. And, and so mm-hmm. if they receive it with affirmation, that's awesome. That's amazing. And if they don't receive it, that's okay. I, they, they weren't my intended target anyway. I was showing my love for Christ by showing love to other people. I don't know if that makes sense. That's but th- so amazing. And what an insight for us. And that's, and it it, it frees me up from um, looking for affirmation from people. And God set me free from that. That was a truth that set me free. And I believe every time that God reveals truth, there's a freedom that takes place in that. Wow. Great, great testimony. Great word. Thank you for being with me today. Would you, would you close our time in prayer? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. And Lord, I thank you that while I was still a sinner, you extended grace and mercy to each, uh, to me that you showed, uh, you showed me, you cared for me. You brought people into my life. I remember pastor Josh coming into my home. I didn't go to church, but he just showed grace to me when I didn't deserve it. And Father, I thank you for Pastor Osteen and the platform you've given him. It it changed my life. And so, Father, I pray that everyone that hears this podcast would hear your grace and your mercy, would know just how much that you love them. And Father, I know in John 2 that says those that are stuck in the world, that are doing the things of this world, the love of the Father is not in them. And it's not that they are, need to strive to love you more, it's that they need to understand how much they are loved by you. And so, Father, I pray that each and every one of us um, would come to a new revelation of just how deeply that you care and love for us. We love you, Lord. Ask for an anointing over this podcast and over your word. Give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.